And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. Well, hello again, and welcome to the Mentors Radio Show. I'm Rick Brutico, your mentor host for today, and it's my pleasure to be with you for this show. I think you'll find it very interesting and intriguing. I think those of you that listened to the show before know that our format is kind of, we the mentors are actually the mentor hosts. We try to get someone on the air that we can interview who will pass along their knowledge and their information about certain things, either in life, in business, and usually in both. And this, this show is going to be kind of unique and special because as this is my last show before Christmas, at least my last show, uh, one of the other mentors will be on the rest of the month, but I've decided to interview a clergyman. Why, you might ask? Well, after all, it is the season. In fact, I call this show the reason for the season. What is it really about this Christmas spirit? You know, we're reading in the news all the time, every day. There's another problem, whether it's in business, whether it's in politics, whether it's in life itself. Some of the things that we tend, we as humans tend to do each other uh, makes me really wonder. But yet you notice during the Christmas season, the Christmas spirit of concern and love for our fellow man seems to come out. We gather together in fellowship and celebration, even bearing gifts for all, some that we don't even know that well. Amazing. Something is going on here and has been for over 2,000 years, and it really seems appropriate to try to understand why we, the human race, go into this mode of living during the so-called Christmas season, or the holiday season, as a lot of people like to to call it. But it also seems interesting to me that we need to try to figure out why we leave it. It seems to work so well. We all have a lot of fun. Everybody enjoys their time between, let's say, early December and the first or second uh, week in January. But yet, we seem to slip away. We seem to go back to our old ways. We seem to do things that uh, are inappropriate. We seem to forget, forget that these inappropriate activities often have consequences. So this show, I hope to dig into why our culture slips away from its roots. Our laws divert from the writings of our founding fathers. And even, maybe it's even more basic than that. Have we forgotten the natural law? Or do we just choose to avoid it? So this show is a a show because it's put on for a specific period of time. And it makes me wonder, is what we do for Christmas just a show? Or is it really something serious as we try to get our lives to be better towards our fellow human being? Today, I'll be talking with Monsignor John Urell, a Catholic priest, longtime my spiritual advisor, my pastor, and close friend. But before we get to him, a little bit more about the mentors. Our objective, as you know, is to challenge your thinking about life and work. And today, we're focused on the why. We make business decisions and life choices, some of them that are not consistent with our beliefs, and yet others that seem to exemplify the goodness of every human being. We've tried to select a guest today who can give us that view from a unique perspective. And I expect he will challenge our thinking. I know he'll challenge mine. He has for years. And I hope he will do it for yours as well. I'm counting on gaining wisdom from his discussion with us. And as you know, if you listen to my show, my personal definition of wisdom is knowledge modified by experience through time. What better challenge to our thinking than the wisdom of a clergyman, a teacher, a spiritual coach? Listen for those pearls of wisdom that can only come from these experts who have walked the road before us and continue to walk the road with us. And I think that's critical to understand that we all walk the same road together. So business and life, as I always say, is about managing risk. And I expect you will hear today that making bad judgments or good judgments have consequences. And sometimes bad decisions are risky business. We're in for an unexpected challenge to our life thoughts today and with that i want to first just remind you that we at the at mentors radio would like to hear from you 
We have a 24-hour recorded line at 844-610-TALK. That's 844-610-8255, spelling out the word talk. We want to hear your questions and your comments. So go to our website, thementorsradio.com, where you will find show notes, archives of podcasts, links to our sponsors. In fact, you can go back and look at any of the shows that any of us have done. Usually there's a picture of our guest when we have that available. And there's a write-up on the show, a press release that's been done that kind of summarizes what what the guest spoke about. So go there and pick out something that that intrigues you and, and take a listen and see if it moves you in any direction. And if you give us a call, our producer listens to all the recorded calls. And she selects some of those to be played on the air as they're appropriate for our various topics. So with that, I'd like to move to today's show and introduce Monsignor John Urell. Hello, Monsignor John. Good day, Rick. How are you doing? So far, so good, but we just started. I'm glad to be with you today. Thank you. (laughs) I'm very, very (laughs) glad and honored to have you with me. And I thought if you don't mind, Monsignor, and, you know, feel free to delve in this as much or as little as you'd like, but maybe you'd tell us Uh a bit about your background. I think that people might know a little bit about how you brought up, how you were brought up, where you went to school, family, things such as that, and how you got into uh, being a clergyman. I'd be glad to do that. Well, I'm one of six uh, siblings. My my parents... uh, uh, um, had six beautiful children, I being one of them. <laughs> and, of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> my father was in the Marine Corps, and he met my mother, a Navy nurse, just uh, toward the end of World War II, and married, and and within uh, uh, 14 years had uh, six children. Um, traveled back and forth across the country because of my dad being transferred as a as a Marine, and I think I attended six different elementary schools between kindergarten and eighth grade. Our family wow. then ended up settling in in the town of Tustin, California, and uh, in 1963, a very important thing happened in our family life, and that my parents divorced, and our mom then uh, took on the task of raising six children by herself, which I think she did a pretty good job. Uh, we still, as brothers and sisters, are just in awe at her strength and her inner uh, determination and, and her deep faith, which got her through an awful lot. I went to uh, mostly through public schools in my life, not too much in Catholic school, and Tustin High School in Southern California, and then Long Beach State College, where I was studying political science and and uh, was thinking of maybe going to law or politics or even entertainment. <laughs> and it was then. Well, that one could be good. <laughs> when I was 21, I got a little religion, and they said, put it all together and become a priest. <laughs> I, I was... Uh, encouraged by some neighbors uh, in the town I grew up to consider thinking about being a priest, which caught me completely off guard. I had no uh, thought about that until that moment in my life. And when I asked them, why did they think I would make a good priest? They said, well, you're a nice person. You get along with people. You're very friendly. And we think that would be, those are good qualities for someone to be a priest. Nothing about me being pious or holy, but just I was a good man. And uh, they thought this would be good. So I began thinking about it and well, my life went on from there. I went to the seminary at age 21, St. John's Seminary in Camarillo, California, and then was ordained a priest in 1978, so coming up on 40 years. Still trying to do the best that I can with uh, the gifts God has given me, Rick. Well, that's very good, Monsignor. And, and, and just to throw in right as we close, because we're going up against a break, and didn't you get a graduate degree from the University of Southern California along the way? I certainly did. After I was ordained five years, our bishop sent me to uh, USC School of Social Work to get a master's in social work, and so I received that in 1986. Yeah, I'm a Trojan fan. All right, I was just going to say, so go Trojans, and with that, we have to go to break. We'll be right back. Stick with us. We're talking to Monsignor John Urell. Hello, I'm Mike Mendel, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. 
MyPillow is now offering 50% off their four-pack special plus free shipping. Go to MyPillow.com or call 1-800-890-6632, 1-800-890-6632, and use promo code MENTORS. That's 50% off plus free shipping. Don't delay. Order now. Imagine waking up and walking just eight steps to your work. No commute, no traffic. You set your own hours, full-time or part-time. Your choice. Supplement your income, replace your income. It's up to you. Hopeinacan.com can help you get there. These aren't empty promises. When Catherine, a popular hairstylist back east, became ill and needed different work, she became part of the Hope in a Can team. Within two years, she not only regained her health, but also more than replaced her income. Mary, a nurse and mother of nine in the Midwest, quit nursing to be with her family and work from home. Her income put nine children through college. A near-retirement dentist is happily building a post-retirement business. What are your goals? Call now, toll-free to learn more. 855-921-HOPE. That's 855-921-HOPE. Or go to hopeinacan.com. That's hopeinacan.com. Hopeinacan.com. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. You're listening to The Mentors. I'm Rick Brutico, your host for this week's special Christmas edition show. And don't forget to check us out at TheMentorsRadio.com. But this week, we're talking with a clergyman, Monsignor John, a pastor and Catholic priest for over 40 years. Right before the break, Monsignor was talking to us about how he grew up, where he went to school, and made the point that he was a Trojan. So for all you UCLA fans that are listening, be aware. But I want to pick that up there if we can, Monsignor, so the audience has a little better idea about you personally. Sure, Rick. Well, my family life was um, uh, a very blessed one growing up, even in the midst of a lot of difficulty and and uh, some tragedy, of course, as I mentioned earlier. Some of the things are, we all learned from our mom was a, a, a deep, work, a good work ethic, was to also have a deep faith in God to just keep picking up and moving forward each day and try to do the best that you can. And that has really um, been something that's very, been very important to me in my life as a priest. I remember thinking uh, many years ago when I was first uh, ordained a priest, as I started dealing with people, how many people suffer in their lives from family tragedies, especially those of separation and divorce. And what I thought was, uh, well, what was a very difficult part of my own life and thought might have been a hindrance has certainly rather been more of a grace for me to be able to be supportive of and and accompany people in their own journeys of struggle in their married life and their family life. So in the past uh, couple months, our families really come together. I, I think as we think of Christmas, our Mom would be certainly proud of us this year. The five of our brothers, and five of us as brothers and sisters, have been supportive of our oldest sister, who took a terrible fall during the hurricane back in Orlando in September. Each of us have gone back there and spent time with her and her family to try to give a hand, and that just seems like the normal thing for me to do. But people have been really amazed and have complimented me and said, "You must have learned something good from your family and, and your mom, and you know, doing all that." So at this time of year, the holidays thinking about the blessing of families and we're there with each other in good times and in bad and supporting one another through thick and thin. They've been a great, my family's a great gift to me, Rick. Well, and I know that it is. And for, for the listeners, I want you to know that I know this man quite well. And what he says about his family is true about his friends, his parishioners and strangers that walk into his life. And I think that's the, that's the thing I really want to get at today. I mean, this this informa- this situation that we find ourselves in in the Christmas season, Monsignor, where people seem to get up for it. I'm sure your ter- church attendance goes up. I know, um, you know, that we are preparing for Christmas in the Catholic Church. We have the season of Advent. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what we're preparing for and the methods that we as individuals out here uh, should be thinking about as we as we approach December 25th. Well, especially in the Catholic tradition, Rick, and in a number of other um, Christian traditions, Episcopal, Presbyterian, Lutheran, etc., there, there's an emphasis on the weeks prior to Christmas, not so much on the coming Christmas celebration, but on the realization that Jesus Christ, the Lord, will come again in glory, and to be prepared for the coming of Christ at the end of time. 
and also to become aware of uh, being prepared for the coming of Christ each day in our lives and the people and the events of our lives. So the Catholic tradition is all about uh, listening to the prophecies of Isaiah, about uh, hopeful, waiting, joyful expectation, looking forward to the end of time when the new heavens and new earth will be established, and at the same time, right now, in everyday practical ways, trying to make the world a little bit better by bringing our faith into action and the way we live, the way we talk to people, the way we deal with each other. I know in our own parish, um, I was just with a number of our school children uh, in our faith formation programs, and they were celebrating the Feast of St. Nicholas on December 6th. And uh, the man who was uh, impersonating St. Nicholas told the children, now, this is a time to really be grateful for your gifts as well as to share them with others. And then he asked them, can you think of ways to share your gifts? Now, these are third, fourth, fifth grade children. And I was amazed, Rick, at the number of them who said how many in their schools, their public schools, they were doing food drives, clothing drives, socks drives, blanket drives. Now, I know that we do that in our parish church, and I know in all the churches here in my town, there are uh, churches doing all sorts of wonderful outreach for those in need at this time of year. I was so happy to hear you know that story about the children saying in their schools, all this is going on, and parents said, you know, this is being done quite a bit. Isn't that wonderful? I think it's great, and, and it, it's interesting that that's the kind of the challenge that I, I feel. Uh, so you talked about how Advent leading us more towards understanding that we're not here forever on this good old planet Earth, and there's something else right. for us. But why why is it that it seems that all of society, you know, no matter what, uh, rich, poor, uh, good, bad, old, young, they all seem to get into this kind of, I'll call it magical for lack of a better word right now, this magical frame of mind that gets them all energized and excited to do the kinds of things you're talking about when the training really is maybe focused on a period that maybe not so many of them are really believe in. Did you, have you ever thought through why, you know, church attendance approves all of these other things during this time of the year? Well, and it, well, I've thought about it, but also in talking with people about it, folks who might not attend church or might not get involved with this, that, or the other too much other time of the year. This is a, a special time that just speaks to the human heart about being good, being decent, being caring, being kind, trying to get some inspiration, trying to get some rest, trying to get some uh, a respite from the uh, busy, crazy world that everyone's involved in. And, and no matter, I think, what person's faith tradition might be, this time of year can call out the best in all of us. You know, that song says, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Well, that's a little hyperbole, I bet. It's a very good time of year. For some, it's a very tough time, as we know. But for most, it's a, it's a time when you can look into the goodness and see that the goodness in other people's eyes. And even though I might not live this well, this kindly, this compassionate all year long, at least I do for this time. And, and, and that's itself God's grace and God's gift. So would you think that, that people who, who put on this very good Christmas spirit, but yet have no faith tradition, have no grounding in it, are they doing it just because others do it, or has it been your experience? I, mean, I realize those that are entrenched in and, and try to live this way is another subject, but do you think that it's, it's really something about uh, accepting the Christmas message, or is it just we all do it because everybody else does it? I think it might be both. It might be a little bit of both, and that is, first, others are doing it, and so I join in on it. I know the street on which I live, you know, most of the houses now have lights up and trees and it's very joyful looking and and even though we might all know one another we wave to each other and uh, and sort of pick up an uptick in spirit you know with that and certainly in the midst of all the shopping and all the places people go you see an uptick in smiles and people wishing each other well and i it might be because of a of a faith that is being called upon a faith in jesus christ or within the Jewish community, the Hanukkah celebration, or in other faith traditions, goodwill, goodwill toward all. Um, it also might be that uh, people are hoping for much better than that they know and that they have and they experience. And maybe this is a time of year to let some of that hope uh, be expressed uh, freely and joyfully because others are doing the same. Yeah, I think I think that's really true. And I, I guess I, I comment myself that while I do believe a lot of people buy gifts because they think they're going to get a gift or whatever the reason is, and, you know, there's that, that thing that the stores have sales on and we all have to get involved that way. 
But I also notice that there's a real change in the way people react with you. Uh, there just seems to be a kindness, whether it's uh, wishing you a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, or Joys of the Season, or whatever it is. There seems to be an effort to reach out and, and touch every individual in a way that is more uh, more kind of friendly, more involved, more like I think we believe the, the world is supposed to be structured. And, I, and of course, where I want to go with this, and we can kind of catch this on the other side of the break, but uh, I, I really want to try to find out that what is the magic thing that causes us to do that? And then why do so many of us, myself included, uh, lose that um, that environment that we seem to be so so happy with? So um, I don't know. We're we're coming up against a break now. So maybe maybe you can think about that, Monsignor. And after the break, give me the, your 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 best definition of why this happens, if, <laughs> if it's possible. Right. <laughs> if it's possible. Okay. okay. Thank you very much. You're listening to Monsignor John Urell and the magic of Christmas. It's the reason for the season. Please stay with us. Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades. But lately, it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it? Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each other's medical needs. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. We, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended for the church. Looking for a new direction for your health care? Join the hundreds of thousands of Samaritan Ministries members who are faithfully sharing millions of dollars in medical needs each month. For more information, visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org. That's SamaritanMinistries.org. Are you struggling with how to practice your faith at work? Get answers to your questions and much more on the Catholic Business Journal, focusing on careers and business with a Catholic perspective. That's CatholicBusinessJournal.biz. The Catholic Business Journal, generating a return on principle. CatholicBusinessJournal.biz. CatholicBusinessJournal.biz. This is a church. A church that might be like yours, with beautiful stained glass windows. Through the years, time and weather took their toll, so the people in this church went online and found Willethauser Architectural Glass. Willethauser did a free inspection and evaluation of the church's windows. Then their craftsmen, with over 120 years of stained glass design and restoration experience, brought the church's stained glass windows back to life. Willethauser.com. Attention salespeople. Are you struggling trying to make sales on a daily basis so you can earn more money and enjoy a better lifestyle? Are you sick and tired of prospects telling you they want to think about it and not being able to pay your bills? End all that now by going to www.minutestosales.com and sign up for my free webinar. Hello, I'm Jeff Motter and I regularly hear from salespeople and business owners who are struggling to get more sales because they don't know how to sell in a clear and convincing way. And that was me when I started out in sales more than 35 years ago. I knew I had a great product that made people's lives better, but for some reason, I just didn't know how to tell people about it in a clear and convincing way. I couldn't even close the door, so to speak. But all that changed when I cracked the code. Since then, I've helped hundreds of people to understand the process and be able to sell at will. If you'd like to start making more sales immediately, sign up for my free webinar at www.minutestosales.com where you can experience for yourself my simple, amazing process and see how it instantly improves your sales ability. Go to www.minutestosales.com today and sign up for my free webinar. Talk to you soon. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Well, welcome back. Today, I'm talking with Monsignor John Urell, a priest in the Catholic tradition, a pastor, and a longtime clergyman. Uh, I'm exploring with him the reason for the season. Why is it that we do so well during this season, but yet other times of the year, uh, maybe not so good? And maybe not even some things in this time of the year, but at least for the most part, people seem to be putting on that happy face, that spirit of goodwill towards men and, and you know, really trying to be part of it. So what I'm going to ask you now, Monsignor, uh, is 
in trying to understand this, I've often given a lot of thought to the fact that something causes us, whether we're talking about our personal life, in our tradition we call it this, uh, committing some sort of evil or sin, or whether we're talking about in uh, breaking the law or doing something that could conceivably have very bad results for us, but yet we do it. Uh, I, I, I think about these basketball players, young men in the prime of life, and certainly a pair of sunglasses in China, I mean, this couldn't be the only way they could get it. I'm certainly they could afford it. And besides, even if they couldn't, what would make anybody in a, a country like that decide to do shoplifting? But for some reason, they made a bad decision. And I think everybody will agree that the, the results for them personally have been pretty bad. It's pretty been devastating to their character and to their reputation. I just wonder, with all of the people you must have counseled over the years, do you get some feeling which pushes us over the line and we kind of go the wrong way? Well, you know, I could go kind of theologically and, and philosophically about uh, the presence of, um, of sin in the world and, and the pressure that that puts on us. But let me say this more, more maybe more practically. My, you know, in my own life and in the experience of people that with whom I've um, um, had the privilege of ministering for all these years, there's such things as peer pressure, selfishness, just acting crazy, acting stupid, making a, uh, a wrong decision that is just kind of off the top of the head. Very rarely have I met people who do the wrong thing, who are evil. I can't really remember too many people that I would say are intrinsically ego- evil, but people are weak. We're all weak. We're all weak in one way or another, perhaps in many. Uh, when these things happen, I, I often refer to the Christian scriptures of the letter of Paul to the Romans from chapter 7, when he writes back and forth, why do I do the things I don't want to do? Why do I not do the things I want to do? And this conundrum, even from centuries ago, of St. Paul writing, I think is still with us. And that's where I think that uh, churches, church traditions, all houses of worship, pastors, can maybe help folks to sit back and think, why did I do what I did? What's the background to what I did or the decision that I made? It doesn't have to define my life, but if I can look at it and get a grasp of it and kind of think, come to terms with it, maybe I can make a change and not make the same decision again twice that would be uh, the wrong one to make. It's easy to fall into habits of laziness and, and even uh, darkness unless somebody is there to help kind of shine a light on it and say, you know, let's change your way. And for the for the Christian, Rick, that's what uh, we say, uh, Christ the Savior is born. That's what Jesus came to do, is to save us from our sins, to save us from ourselves, our worst selves, and show us a new path. It's a tough one, but it's a... Um, and it's a never-ending one until the moment before we die. It's never-ending. The temptation might always be there, but the grace of, there is, uh, of God is there the same. So I can't categorize or... You know, generalize why everybody might do something, why I might do something wrong or make a wrong decision uh, to cover all of them. But I can certainly see there is peer pressure, lack of guidance. Uh, what can I get away with? Uh, maybe won't get caught. Darn it. Look, at I made a mistake again. Who can save me from this? For Christian people, it's Jesus. Jesus can save us from that or at least give us the grace when we have fallen to get back up and try again. This is what I most uh, about uh, the teachings of and the preachings of Pope Francis, that he talks to us about accompanying one another in our struggles, not putting each other down, not judging and categorizing, but putting people with the struggle and helping them see a new way. I, I think that's so right on. I, and I say that, too, because I, th- I think about why people, I happen to use the example of the college kids in, in China, but... Think about the, the political people that are coming out with things that happened years and years ago, and all of a sudden now they're saying, yeah, I did something wrong or I did something bad. And, and again, I'm not pointing a, a finger at them. I'm just trying to make them think, think in my mind what causes all of us, and we all do it, what causes us all to do it. I mean, I don't know if you remember that old Flip Wilson routine, the devil made me do it. The devil and, made me do it. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It yeah. seems that we have to blame somebody, right? <laughs> so we, we pick on the good old devil as the guy that made us do it. But every day, I mean, it's little things, it's big things. I know in the business world, and I, I see it happen so often, um, you know, 
my father used to tell me that when you're making a deal in in the business world, he'd always say, you know, make sure you leave a little on the table for the other guy. And mm. his it, it wasn't so much, I think, that it was uh, some sort of great social thing, but I think it was if at the end of the transaction, both parties are satisfied, you're much less likely to have problems later on. Where if somebody right. thinks after the fact, gee, they took advantage of me, you don't have a very good a partner, uh, whether it's your landlord or whatever it is, you don't have a very good partner going forward. But something keeps making us want to get a bigger slice of the pie, take advantage of our power or our position to do something that we shouldn't do. And yet, uh, I, I guess I guess the answer is maybe it's human nature. Well, it is a big part of human nature that, that uh, has not quite been redeemed, and each one of us carries a piece of that within us, no matter what it might be. Uh, and I, what, what I have found to be the most uh, troubling aspect of this is when people just despair, and people give up trying, and they stay stuck, and they don't find a reason for hope or for ability to change and move forward. The first step of it is acceptance, right? acceptance and acknowledgement and then moving forward and then growth can take place and healing can take and new life which is what for me christmas is all about new life can take place new beginnings acceptance uh remorse apology forgiveness move forward and I guess acceptance, you're referring to the fact that you're accepting that you accepting that you are about to or have done wrong. Is that right? Is that what you mean by acceptance? Acceptance that I, I'm about to or that I did wrong. Yes. And now it's, yes. okay, now we move forward. I don't right. stay in the trap of it if I can stop, accept. And uh, this is what I think of personal reflection is needed each day in time for quiet reflection, contemplation, meditation, whatever person might call down and reflect on myself the what is it, the phrase the unre unreflected life is not worth living that's not the right wording but you know what i'm saying if we don't sit back yeah. and reflect on our day we'll never move forward or change as we might do but we might still live in a fantasy yeah that's that's so right and and i and i think that kind of gets to the nature of what i'm i'm concerned about what i've seen especially in the business world there's a difference between good solid competition and it's an altogether difference when someone is trying to use their position to take advantage of another person or another business or another entity. It, it just seems to me that we, we don't stop and reflect about it. And then the next thing that happens is we've done it. But I often wonder, you know, it's what seems to me to be so amazing about Christmas is the Christmas season is it seems most people do get it. And they do subscribe to love your neighbor, do good and avoid evil, at least at a minimum. And um, I wonder how we can do that uh, more substantially as we go through the year. So we're coming up against a break again. So if you'll stick with us, I'm talking to Monsignor John Urell, pastor, and we will discuss where we're going and how we can improve ourselves and carry this Christmas spirit forward in the beginning of the new year. In classrooms across America, students are not learning the same history you did. Last year, McGraw-Hill apologized for calling slave trade immigration, and a popular world history textbook devotes a full chapter to Islam and Muhammad, but only a few sentences to Christianity and Christ. Recent federal testing shows students are far worse in knowledge of U.S. history than in math. Only 12% of high school students are proficient in U.S. history. Today's history textbooks not only fail to engage, they favor political correctness over true history. This is a serious problem that has a far-reaching impact on our culture and our future. What are your kids and grandkids learning? At CatholicTextbookProject.com, you'll find fresh, accurate, engaging history textbooks. Used in Catholic schools in more than 60 dioceses, these textbooks are highly praised by all, even award-winning secular university professors. Go to catholictextbookproject.com to find out why. Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades. But lately, it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it? Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each other's medical needs. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. We, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity 
This is what God intended for the church. Looking for a new direction for your health care? Join the hundreds of thousands of Samaritan Ministries members who are faithfully sharing millions of dollars in medical needs each month. For more information, visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org. That's SamaritanMinistries.org. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. I'm Rick Brutico speaking with Pastor John Urell. And we're talking about the Christmas season and the reason for the season and how we seem to do well during Christmas, but maybe sometimes not so good in our more private moments or more other parts of the year when we don't have this good spirit about us. So um, I'm very hopeful that uh, you're all listening to this and uh, taking an examination of your own conscience. How are we being good to other people and what do we do to be good to other people? I think in this world that we live in, it seems to be more and more and more that there's animosity towards, for one reason or another, towards one group, one, so, uh, one uh, particular type of people, one particular uh, race of people, one particular something or another. We always have a reason for making an excuse that we treat them slightly differently. We treat uh, our neighbors slightly differently. And hopefully we can use this Christmas season to get back on the right track. So right before we left, Monsignor, I was talking to you about uh, that people should subscribe, at least it seems to me, of do good and avoid evil. Uh, it seems to me that's a pretty basic concept, and it almost doesn't it almost doesn't even have to be a religious concept. I mean, it's in a lot of a lot of philosophies. Uh, would you agree with that? I would. In fact, I, I was thinking uh, uh, of this song that is sung often at this time of year, and at other times, but especially this time of year, I hear it. You know, let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with me. Now that doesn't mean um, uh, uh, that doesn't have to particularly fall into any religious category or philosophy of life. But if there's going to be peace on earth, which is what we pray for at this time of year and all times of year, but especially now, then let it begin with me. You know, think globally, act locally is another thing. This time of year is when people really, I think, reach out to people in their neighborhoods and all around them that are in need and struggling uh, one way or another, and, and they try to meet that need. And I also see that happen all year long in, in other ways and maybe in some smaller ways. But I can't be waiting for someone else to do it. If I want to change, if I want change to happen, let it begin with me. And let me bring that the fruit of that goodness trying to come out of me into the workplace, into the my family, into my church life, into society. And it, maybe we, we take on the responsibility, each one of us, instead of somebody else doing it, that I do it. Well, and, and isn't that peace, at least for me, I could say this, and if I'm wrong, please correct me, but that peace to me means a lot of things. I think too many people think peace means you're not shooting at somebody else, you're not throwing rocks at some people, whatever it is. I mean, I think there's an inner peace that if we can't get to the fact that we're kind of satisfied with where we are and what we're doing in our life and the way we act, um, it's very hard for us to be peaceful with other people, wouldn't you say? Oh, I would, yeah, peace is not the absence of war. Peace is an active presence of generosity, of awareness, of intentionality. Peace is something that uh, uh, isn't out there somewhere floating around. It's found, first of all, within my own heart, and that I then show and exude by the way that I live. And each one of us can find that peace, I believe, if we take some time of quiet. I'm always talking to people at this time of year, yes, all the busy, wonderful things that are happening, enjoy them and make peace and quiet part of it, five, ten minutes a day, to find that moment, to get to the core of my soul and see who I am. And for a believer, it's that I am totally, completely, intimately loved by God, who sees only the good, only the grace, only the, the beloved when he looks at each one of us. And if I were to soak that in as a, as a believer in God, how could I not try to let that expand and go out of me toward my interaction, inner uh, reactions of my reactions and relationship with other folks? That to me is just basic. And isn't that what evangelization is all about? It is. It's all about sharing that good news that God has touched me. God has changed my life. God loves me through and through every day, no matter what. The first Sunday of Advent in the Catholic tradition the first scripture, the second scripture reading, rather, was from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians, reminding us that God is faithful 
God's promises, God's love, God's being with us will never end. Completely faithful. Yes, God accepts us as we are, and yes, God wants us to move further to enjoy life and, as Jesus said, to live life in abundance. So it's if I've got the peace of that in my heart and soul, no matter what time of year it is, I'm to share that with others. And at this time of year, those who have faith in God and, and put their faith into action through prayer, worship, and their other, all their different church communities, we can touch people who don't have, have not heard that or have not experienced that or been hurt by churches. We can share that with others, and maybe a, a, another light can shine. And, and uh, I've, I think, although I notice you've mentioned the Catholic tradition a lot, I also know you're very involved with so many other uh, churches and interact in various meetings and councils and things to, right. to in, and share with other traditions. I'm kind of curious. Um, I, I guess I know the answer, but I'd like you to say it, whatever you feel, feel it to believe. But this this is a consistent philosophy for almost all of these uh, of these religions, even those that may not be Christian, wouldn't you say? Oh, it is, and I think it goes down to what's called the golden rule. Mm-hmm. The golden rule. Um, and, you know, do unto others what you would have them do unto you. And throughout all different traditions, it's said one way or another, but that's the basic point. To do unto others what you would have them do unto you. And um, if, if I'm aware of that and intentional about that, what a difference that could make. When I lose my awareness, when I lose my focus, then I do unto others things that I would not want to have done, you know, that maybe have been done to me or mm-hmm. that I would like to do. You know, I'd like to hurt others because I've been hurt or whatever. Get back to the basic, and the basic of the golden rule is found throughout all traditions of, of world religion. It certainly is. That's why it rings yeah, so and, true to, all of, to everyone. Yeah, and I, and I and kind I believe, of... Uh, I believe, Rick, go ahead, I'm sorry. Even, to, even to the one who doesn't profess a faith tradition of any kind um, uh, or even a belief in God... That basic goodness of do to others what you'd have them do to you, that's a basic uh, rule of thumb, uh, not to be selfish, not to be self-interested, even though I might act that way sometimes, but my basic thrust is not I'm trying to do the best I can to serve others, help others, because I want to be treated that way as well. Maybe self-serving, but that's a self-serving in a good way. Well, it is, and I, I I agree with you, and I was about to say, just as you said that, almost exactly what you said, only slightly differently. I, uh, I remember being taught one time that, that no matter what one's belief was, whether they had religious convictions or not, that actions defining right and wrong go back to the natural law. Yeah, and essentially, yeah, yeah. whether you believe there's a, a supreme being or not, we, we do believe that it's important that out of a sense of fairness, a sense of equity, that what is right for me is right for you, and what's right for you is right for me. And so it just seems to me that this, this attitude of one helping another ought to be so much more prevalent, and, and what I would like to say, hopefully anyway, like it is during the Christmas season, as opposed to what I see a lot of other times. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can tell you I've cut people off on the freeway before. Well, this is a good time of year to do it. I'm only kidding. Not a good time of year, but it's certainly because we're all out on the road. I think the goodness is being done, goodwill, all through the year. It gets a lot more attention this time of year. But there is so much goodness being done in March, in June, in September, and on the months when there are not big things going on. Um, Yes, could there be more? Of course. But it certainly is highlighted now, and thanks be to God. That's why the Christmas carols are uh, are so bright and cheery, most of them, all about what's the joy to the world. The Lord has come, and we're rejoicing in that. And for other faith traditions, it's a time to, to celebrate what is good about all of this. Well, that's good. We're up against the break again. So I, I, I tell my listeners, please stay with us. We just have one more segment to finish up on this week's show. And we want to find out what, what we can do now to drive this forward, bring it forward and, uh, and avoid those things that seem to put us into the wrong spot. So you're listening to The Mentors Radio. I'm Rick Brudico, and I'm interviewing Pastor John Urell. I had like memory foams, I had feather pillows, and I'd always wake up with neck pain. After sleeping on my pillow, I didn't wake up with the headaches, I was more aligned. I didn't realize the connection between the pillow and sleep. When I switched to my pillow, I got a better night's sleep, and I love it. 
Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of MyPillow. My patented fill adjusts to your exact individual needs and it holds that support all night long to take the pressure off your shoulders and keep your neck aligned so you get the best night's sleep of your life. MyPillow is machine washable and dryable and comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and an amazing 10-year warranty. Plus, every MyPillow is made in the USA. I personally guarantee that MyPillow will be the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. MyPillow is now offering 50% off their four-pack special, plus free shipping. Go to MyPillow.com or call 1-800-890-6632 and use promo code MENTORS. That's 50% off plus free shipping. Don't delay. Order now. In classrooms across America, students are not learning the same history you did. Last year, McGraw-Hill apologized for calling slave trade immigration. And a popular world history textbook devotes a full chapter to Islam and Muhammad, but only a few sentences to Christianity and Christ. Recent federal testing shows students are far worse in knowledge of U.S. history than in math. Only 12% of high school students are proficient in U.S. history. Today's history textbooks not only fail to engage, they favor political correctness over true history. This is a serious problem that has a far-reaching impact on our culture and our future. What are your kids and grandkids learning? At CatholicTextbookProject.com, you'll find fresh, accurate, engaging history textbooks. Used in Catholic schools in more than 60 dioceses, these textbooks are highly praised by all, even award-winning secular university professors. Go to catholictextbookproject.com to find out why. Imagine waking up and walking just eight steps to your work. No commute, no traffic. You set your own hours, full-time or part-time. Your choice. Supplement your income, replace your income. It's up to you. HopeInACan.com can help you get there. These aren't empty promises. When Catherine, a popular hairstylist back east, became ill and needed different work, she became part of the Hope in a Can team. Within two years, she not only regained her health, but also more than replaced her income. Mary, a nurse and mother of nine in the Midwest, quit nursing to be with her family and work from home. Her income put nine children through college. A near-retirement dentist is happily building a post-retirement business. What are your goals? Call now, toll-free to learn more. 855-921-HOPE. That's 855-921-HOPE. Or go to hopeinacan.com. That's hopeinacan.com. Hopeinacan.com. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Well, welcome back again. This is Rick Brutico, your mentor host for this week. We're doing what I call my special Christmas edition show. I'm talking with a clergyman, my pastor, Monsignor John, a Catholic priest for over 40 years. And uh, I'm focused on why the Christmas spirit is so special, why it seems to work so well. And I'm also troubled by the fact that so often all of us, and again, I, I want to make sure people understand, I'm not casting stones on anybody because I think I'm as big offender of this as anyone, but why do people, why do we make decisions kind of like in the dark of night that we think are going to be just fine and they come out to haunt us? And usually those decisions do something wrong or bad towards somebody else, to society, to a group of people or something. So that's kind of where we're trying to go. We're wrapping up now. And I thought I'd ask Monsignor, I know this is a tough question, Monsignor, you've been giving us a lot of good good data, but uh, I'm wondering if you can say, you know, if, if you had a prescription, if you were a, a physician, if you had a prescription, could you tell us the kinds of things that you think we should take away from these next two or three weeks and kind of embed them in our heart so that we can live with them in the coming year or years, I should say. So I realize that's a tough one, but go ahead, take a whack at it. Well, um, a, a cornerstone in my life, fundamental to me, is my belief that God has created me and created you and created each of us in his own image, and we are very good. And when I forget that about myself, I can forget that about others. And so... For me, it's going back each day to reaffirm that belief and that faith that God has created me and found me to be very good, and he's done the same with everyone with whom I come into contact each day. Whether it's the holiday season or not, that God has created each one of us in his own image and likeness, and we are very good. 
And then the basic commandments. Uh, when Jesus was asked to sum up all the commandments and what were the greatest, he said, love God above all things, love your neighbor as you love yourself. If I love myself in a good, humble, uh, uh, joyful, and, and uh, correct way, then I can love my neighbor, even though I'm not perfect at it, and I'm in doing that loving God. I think it just, for me, it gets down to some very basic things, not very lofty. It's just very basic uh, cornerstones of what's important in life. And then, um, as a good friend of mine always said, life uh, works to the extent we keep our agreements. If I believe that about God and God's take with me, belief in me, and I agree to try to follow that way, then I keep striving, keep striving. I slip, I fall, I stop, I, I ask forgiveness, I acknowledge my uh, transgression, my sin, however we might want to say it. I ask forgiveness, and I accept the consequences that come from it, and I get up and I keep moving forward. Um, Junipero Serra, um, one of his, uh, his motto was, always forward, siempre adelante, always forward. So I try to make that part of my life and try to encourage people as I accompany them in their life. It's just always forward. Don't give up. Keep moving forward. God has not given up on us. We can't give up on ourselves or on God. And if a person doesn't have a faith in God, may they have a good faith in themselves and the gifts that they have and to use them for the betterment of others and to give up using them. I think those are kind of basics for me, Rick. Well, I think I that's great, Monsignor, and I appreciate that. I appreciate your last comment especially because I, I really do, do believe a lot of people don't like themselves and therefore they take it out on others. But um, yeah. I, I, I also want to make it clear that you've said to me before that uh, Christmas season is about joy and about hope, and we have hope for the future. And as long as we have hope for the future, I think we can get somewhere. But it's when we start thinking there's nothing we can do, or, or in a, another way, everything we have to do, uh, that we kind of collapse and burn. So I thank you a lot right. for being with us, Monsignor, and uh, I very, very much appreciate your words, and I think most of my listeners would have gotten an awful lot of today's show. So, And I want to talk to the listeners for a second and say, you've been listening to The Mentors Radio, and I've been talking with our host, Monsignor John Urell. Don't forget to go to our website, thementorsradio.com, where you can listen to all of the podcasts at any time you want. And remember my slogan, In every day, in every way, do your part to make the world a little better. Thanks for listening. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.